Okay, guys, we are in lesson 28. Now, we're going to look at Moses' first message, okay? Moses' first message. Now, I just want to, if you, uh, if you, hopefully when you came in, I gave you the correction to your notes from the last time we looked at this, lesson 27. And in particular, I wanted to focus on, uh, if you have that sheet there, I want to focus on uh, you know, the fourth sermon, Moses' fourth sermon are the covenant demands, okay? Covenant demands in chapter 29, verse 2, through chapter 30, verse 20. And that's what your notes should read from the last time. So now, we're going to fast forward over now to uh, Moses' first message. So remember, there are four messages in Deuteronomy and then a section of Deuteronomy, the fifth section of Deuteronomy, is the transition from Moses to Joshua. Okay? So these are the final messages that are recorded that Moses is giving the children of Israel before he dies, because remember, he can't go to into Canaan because of sin. And you're like... Really? I mean, I mean, because you and I would have done something like he did, react. You ever reacted to anything? Or are all y'all perfect here? You don't react at all to people, okay? Uh, he reacted. Of course, that was a result in him not being able to go. So he's giving this message uh, to them to give them some understanding of what they need to do. So let's look at this. So first of all, we're going to see the in verses 1 to 4 are the, the general introduction to all of the messages, to all four messages, okay? So these are the words of Moses that were given to all Israel while in the desert east of the Jordan, that is the Jordan River. So these are the words, he's only writing down what the Lord gave him while they are east of Jordan. They're in the Transjordanian uh, area there. Remember, they took that from the Amorites. And so they're waiting, waiting for Moses to give these messages, waiting for him to go up on Mount Pisgah so he can see the land and then die, transition over to Joshua. So these are the words. Moses reflects that it only takes 11 days to journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea. And I want you to think about this. This is the most ironic thing in this book. Starts off verse 2, and it tells you that from Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, okay, where they got the Ten Commandments, okay, where they built the tabernacle and everything, to go to Kadesh Barnea, which is where they went, where they sent out the 12 spies to uh, go and get ready to take the land. The journey is only 11 days. Only takes 11 days for a million people to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. But they've had to wander for 40 years in the Sinai Peninsula. Why? Why'd they have to wander? Because of their sin. Because they didn't want to take the land. Because they thought they couldn't take the land. Moses is saying that journey is really typically only 11 days to the border of the land. 11 days, isn't that amazing? 11 days. So he's just kind of pointing out that, that, that their wandering was needless. 
the, the, the consequence, and I think that's the truth about sin, isn't it? The consequences of our sins are, are needless. It doesn't have to be that way if we just would do what God would tell us to do, okay? So Moses reflects that it only takes 11 days to journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea. Now, I think it's interesting. The other books will use Sinai or Mount Sinai. This book uses Horeb. You'll see the interchange throughout the Old Testament where the mountain of God is called Mount Horeb. Okay? So we're going to see that later as we get into other books. Moses gave these messages during the 40th year of their journey. Okay? So these are messages that were given in the 40th year of their journey, of their wilderness journey. And in particular, these messages were specifically given after Shion and Og were defeated by Israel. So this is these messages were given right after Shion, the Amorite king, and Og, the Amorite king, were defeated. Their land was taken, and they were given to three of the tribes who wanted to stay in the Transjordan plain. Okay? All right, now, so let's talk about the first message. So there's four messages. There. We're going to look today at the first message. The next two weeks we're going to look at, maybe three weeks, we're going to look at the second message. It's the biggest message in the book. Okay? And then we'll look at the other messages, probably take a week each for those. So here we go. We're going to look at a historical prologue. So he's going to kind of, Moses is going to use his first message to kind of set the setting of why they are where they are. Okay? You ever done that? You ever been with a family gathering? I remember years ago, my father-in-law was showing the family a piece of homestead ground that the family still owns. We went up to North Point, PA, and uh, there's nothing on that ground except Christmas trees or old, overgrown Christmas trees. And 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 it literally, we the whole clan walked the boundary lines with my father-in-law, and he was relating stories. You know what I'm saying from that piece of ground, and. And, and that's, um, to be honest with you, that's kind of like what's happening here. He's given a message, but he wants them all to understand where they're at, why they're where they're at, okay? Why they're where they're at, all right? So here we go. The Lord to- told Israel to break camp and head from Horeb to take the land. So he's going to go back 40 years. And here they are at Mount Sinai, and the Lord said, okay, break camp, head to the land. And remember, it only takes 11 days. 11 days. Now, it's not 11 like a walk in a park 11 days. It's 11 days through the desert. Okay? 11 days through the desert. So because the nation had grown so large, Moses appointed leaders to rule over the people. I mean, so Moses, he realizes there is no way that I'm going to lead a million plus people 11 days to where we need to go he appoints leaders from each of the tribes to rule over the people. He sets up judges and others. So Israel journeyed through the vast and dreadful desert until they reached Kadesh Barnea. Okay? So they, they journeyed 11 days through this vast desert. No water, no food, except what they brought with them. Of course, for them, every morning they would have what? Manna. Okay? So they head to Kadesh Barnea. All right, so he's reviewing. We already know what happens, right? 
Twelve spies were sent out and brought back a report that the land was good. So all twelve agreed, man, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, great place, wonderful real estate. You should see the size of the grapes. In fact, we brought some with us. Wonderful place. Okay? Sounds good up to that point. But Israel was unwilling to take the land, having listened to the warning of the ten spies. So ten of them, remember, said, there's no way, we're like grasshoppers, the cities are fortified, there's no way we can take this place, we're going to get defeated, uh, they're, going to, they're going to body slam us, we can't do this. And so they were unwilling to take the land, having listened to the warning of the ten spies. And you remember, when we went through this, with the other books, they were wanting to kill Moses, stone him, and they wanted to get a leader and what? Go back to Egypt. Isn't that crazy? You know what I'm saying? Go back to Egypt. Hearing Israel's complaints, the Lord pronounced judgment on them. All right, let me just stop for a moment. Does everybody realize there's two types of complaining with God? You realize that? First of all, how many of you have ever heard you can't complain to the Lord? You ever heard that? You can't complain? Okay. It's okay to complain, but there are two types of complaining. One's okay, the other's not. One's okay, the other's not. It's okay to complain to the Lord about your problem. The Apostle Paul did that. Three times I asked the Lord, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, to take this problem from me. Is that complaining? Yeah. God, I'm, I'm going through something. Please take it from me. Okay. That's okay. The complaining that they're doing, though, they're complaining against God. They're attacking his person. They're attacking his goodness. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're attacking his intent with them. They're accusing him. That's not good complaining. And that's what gets judged, and that's what's happening here. The Lord, Hearing Israel's complaints, the Lord pronounced judgment on them. The Lord's judgment that they could not enter the land extended to Moses as well. So Moses is making a point. Your sin led me to be able not go into the land. Now you're wait a minute. Now you say, wait, hold on, hold on. It wasn't the same thing. It wasn't the same time frame. What's Moses talking about here? He's saying their continual grumbling and complaining led to him not being able to go into the land. Why? Because he reacted to it. When he should have spoken to the rock, he what? Hit the rock. So Moses points that out here several times in this book. I can't go to the land because of you people. Because of you people and my reacting to you. Okay? I can't go to the land because of you people and my reaction to you. They stated their children would be taken captive, yet their children would enter the land. One of the things that the Israelites, it comes out in Deuteronomy, is, is that they said to Moses, if we go up there, they'll take our kids captive. God says, those very children that you were concerned about being, being held captive, they're the ones who are going to take the land. Now, don't we do things like that? Don't we make excuses? Oh, I can't do that. If I do that, this will happen. Oh, this it'll affect my family. No, you don't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. So they're using the kids as an excuse. And God says, well, those kids are the ones who are going to enter the land. They're the ones who are going to take it. Then they decided to take the land, but the Lord did not go with them. I mean, this is smart, isn't it? 
<laughs> God says, okay, you're going to wander the desert for 40 years now because of what you did. Oh, let's go take the land. And God says, I'm not going with you. Wow. Now, you and I would look at this and say, what is the matter with them? You know what? We need to ask ourselves the same thing because we do it in various other ways in our own lives every day, right? What's the matter with us? That's just humanity, isn't it? They're just human. Carnal humanity. Okay? So they were defeated by the inhabitants of the land and the people wept. Yeah, I, I think I would be crying too because if you realize you're going to be wandering around in that desert for 40 years. Yeah, I think it, and you know that you're going to die there because he basically told them, you aren't leaving the desert and you're going to wander around till the last person dies from that generation except for two people, Joshua and Caleb. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So, here's what happens now. We're going to move up now to the Transjordan Plain. While Israel wandered in the desert, the Lord continued to direct Moses. So Moses is making sure they understand in this message that while they were wandering around in those 40 years, Moses was doing exactly what God told him to do, going exactly where God wanted him to go, Moses was, direct, was directed by the Lord. So the Lord was guiding them through this 40 years. So he's making that point. Now isn't that interesting? I just thought of this. You ever feel like sometimes God takes you to the woodshed? You know, like you go through difficult times and you know you're going through difficult times because of something you did. You ever realize that? I think it's amazing that God is still, even though they're in the woodshed, literally the wilderness, he's guiding their steps every, every step of the way through their discipline. And I think God does the same thing with us when he takes us through those, those wilderness experiences in our lives because of the stuff we do. He's still guiding us. Why? Because he's trying to produce a work in our life. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? He's trying to produce something in our life, bring us to where we need to be. So as they journeyed through Seir, now, okay, let me just stop for a moment. Everybody know where Seir is? It's Mount Seir, and that's the mountain of Edom. Okay, Edom, what is Edom? Those are the descendants of who, folks? Esau. Who's Esau? Brother of who? Jacob or Israel, Okay. So as they journeyed through Seir, they were forbidden to fight and had to pay for the water. But God said, as you're going through Edom, don't fight them, and you've got to pay for everything you take from the land, pay for the water. Okay? That's interesting. God's, he's telling them to go take the land and wipe those people out, but here they are going through Edom, and they're not allowed to touch the Edomites. There's a reason why. The Lord had given Esau the land of Seir, and Israel must honor that. God's saying, look, the land you're going through, I gave it to Esau. And you need to honor what I gave to Esau. So you're not allowed. You just can't take what you want. you got to pay for it. You can't fight them. This is their land. 
Because I'm giving you another land. Okay? I'm giving you another land. The Lord commanded them not to bother Moab since he gave their land to Lot. Now, who is Moab, folks? Anybody know who Moab is? The Moabites? They are the descendants of Moab. Moab was the son of Lot. Okay? The son of Lot. And who's Lot? Abraham's what? Nephew. Which means that's a cousin to Israel. Okay? Maybe a little bit second or third cousin, but it's still a cousin to Israel. Alright? So the Lord commanded them not to bother Moab since he gave their land to Lot. Israel was not to attack, was not to attack the Ammonites since they were Lot's descendants as well. Who is Ammon? That's the second son of Lot. Remember when we went through Genesis? Lot's two daughters figured they were never going to have children because they're, they're, they're living in a cave and they decided to take matters into their own hands, got their dad drunk and had sexual relationships with them with him and produced two children, one for each daughter, Ammon and Moab. Here we go, Ammon, the land of the Ammonites, not the Amorites, the Ammonites. They were not to bother them as well because they were the descendants of who? Lot. And that was the land given to who? Lot. All right? The land given to Lot. This is interesting when you read this book and you, you listen to it because you're like, why didn't they just wipe everybody out on the way to get, on the way there? Well, they were told not to. They were told not to. So Moses recalled his peaceful offer to Shion in order to pass through the land. So Moses points out, you know, to old King Shion, the Amorite king, I offered the same thing that I gave to the Ammonites and the Am and the Moabites and and even the Edomites. And they, none of them wanted us to go through there. I made the same offer to him and uh, in order for us to pass through the land. But Shion rejected the offer and attacked Israel, resulting in his complete destruction. So this king decides, I'm not going to do it, attacks Israel, he, he and all his people get wiped out. Wiped out, completely wiped out. Okay? Moses acknowledged that the Lord gave Shion and his people into their hands. So Moses says, you know what? The reason why we overcame Shion is because God gave him into our land because God wanted us to have this land. Because that's where three of the tribes would end up going. Okay, in the land of Shion and Og. After being attacked, the Lord gave them Og and his people into their hands. And again, they wiped out Og and wiped out all of the people there. These are the two Amorite kings in the Transjordan plain that they were taken. Okay? After being attacked, the Lord gave them and his people into their hands. The Transjordan region was divided among Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The Transjordan region was divided. Remember, three of the tribes, because they had vast herds, said, this land is good for us, give us this as our inheritance. So those three tribes received the Transjordan plain, which, by the way, folks, is called today what? The West Bank. 
the West Bank. Isn't it interesting? All right. Moses reminded these tribes of their commitment to help the others take the land. He said, okay, you can have this land, but you have to go with us to take the land for the other tribes. Okay? So he's reminding them of this. The Lord tells Joshua not to be afraid because God gave them Sheon and Og. So part of the message here now is, is he wants to say to Joshua, Joshua, don't be afraid to take the land. Look at what God did when we defeated who? Og and Sheon. Let that be an example to you that God is going to give them into, over to us. Don't be afraid to go in the land and take the land. He's already given us these two kings. He'll give us the other ones as well. He'll give us the other ones as well. So because of God's help in conquering, Moses asks if he could go over to the land. Now, up until this point, I'll be honest with you, I've always thought to myself, if I was Mo, and I was told that I couldn't go into the land, I think I'd be still praying and asking. Wouldn't you? I mean, you've been wandering around the desert for 40 years with these stiff-necked, complaining people, and because you reacted to them, you're told you can't go into the land. I'd be like, God, can you let me please go in the land? This is what this has all been about. I led them out of Egypt. I did everything else you told me. I messed up in one area, Lord. Can I not go into the land? And guess what? I read in the, Moses said, I asked him. Moses is human, folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Moses, because of God's help, because he sees God helping them conquer Og and Sheon, Moses asked if he can go in the land. God, will you let me go in the land with them? Will you let me go? The Lord would not listen to Moses and forbid him from asking again. Whoa, God's serious about following him, isn't he? Moses said, I'm not listening to you and don't you ask me again. Sometimes God tells you to quit praying about stuff, doesn't he? I've had that happen in my life. Has you ever had that happen in your life? You're praying about something and God finally says to you, quit praying about that. Quit praying about that. I'm not listening. Huh. Wow, what a relationship, okay? I was just encouraged to know that Moses asked. Because he's like you and I, right? But God says, I'm not listening. Don't ask me again. You ever done that as a parent? The answer is no. Don't ask me again. You ever done that? I do that. Ask my boys. They'll say yes. We, we, you know. You've, you've not done that. The answer is no. Don't ask me again. Okay? God's doing that here. So Moses was to go to Mount Pisgah. Now this event has yet to happen, but he's He's talking about what he was supposed to do. He's supposed to go to Mount Pisgah and see the land. From Mount Pisgah, he could look and see the land all the way out to the ocean, out to the Mediterranean Sea, as well as commission Joshua as leader. So he still had a job to do, but God says, all right, you're not going to the land. I'm going to at least let you see it. I'm going to at least let you see it. Israel was to follow God's law. Okay? Now, here's the exhortation. Chapter 4 is basically an exhortation about what they're supposed to do. 
Okay, so Israel was to follow God's law and not add to it so that they can live in the land. Now, it's interesting to me that one little phrase, and not add to it. That is repeated throughout the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, into the New Testament. You and I have to be careful not to add to God's law. Why? Why why do you and I have to be careful not to add to God's law? First of all, do we have a tendency to add to God's law? Yeah, we do. Yeah. How do we add to God's law? Okay, well, okay, that's that's a good point, Tim, but that's not quite it. Okay? All right, let's look at the Jews today. The Jews have God's law today, but if you were to go to to, to uh, Israel, like Maddie just went to Israel, and you were to go on a, on a Sabbath, which is Saturday, into a hotel, you, you push your floor, and you want to go to the third floor, but it goes to the fifth floor, down to the seventh floor, up to the tenth floor, after a while, it finally gets to the floor you want to go. What's going on here? Well, it's it's called a Shabbat elevator. Because it can't operate normal on the Sabbath because it's the Sabbath and that would be considered as work. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that adding to the law? All right, so we're talking about the Jews. How do we have a tendency to add to the law? Do we have that same tendency? It's all of our legalisms, right? Don't go here, don't do this, dress this way, cut your hair this way, look this way, don't say this, don't go there, don't be with this person. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Did you hear what Bruce said? Most of the time when you add to the law, it's always for other people. Isn't that right? It's always for other, legalism's always for other people. Because they don't keep it themselves, right? So this is the point he's saying here. Israel was to follow God's law and not add to it so they can live in the land. What do you mean live in the land? So that they can enjoy the land. Don't add to your burden. First of all, isn't God's law hard to do anyhow? Why do we want to add to it? Do you know what I'm saying? Why do we want to add to it? Okay, so Moses reminded them of the sin at Baal Peor. Remember, this is right with uh, with the Midianites. The women came and seduced the Israelite men, then caused them to, what, they engage in sexual immorality and then also the worship of the Baal. All right, so Moses reminded them of the sin at Baal Peor where some did not obey the law. So Moses is wanting them to think about what happened to the other people when they didn't do right, okay, So the purpose of the law was to give full life to those who obeyed the Lord. This is a great principle. You may want to to put a star by this point. The purpose of the law, the purpose of God's word, is to give full life to those who obey the Lord. It's to give you full life. Did you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes when we tell people not to do something, it's not that we're trying to keep them from having a good time. No, it's that we're trying to keep them from the endless misery 
that they're going to enter into if they enter into that sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because once you awaken yourself to sin, you can't go back. Have you noticed that? You can't go back. If you're an alcoholic, you can't go back to being not an alcoholic. If you're a drug addict, you can't go back. If you're a sex addict, you can't go back. It's, it's true for all things. The purpose of the law was to give full life to those who obeyed the Lord. Their time at Mount Horeb was to produce the fear of the Lord in their hearts. So remember, when they were in Mount Horeb, God was thundering on the mountain. There was earthquakes. They were what? Scared to death because they were in the presence of God. Why did God do that? Well, Moses is telling us here in Deuteronomy, the purpose of that was so that they would fear who? God. That they would have a fear of God in their lives. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Understanding. I would say that the problem we have today in our churches and in our Christian lives is that we don't fear God anymore. We don't believe we're accountable to him. We just have this blanket forgiveness. But I'm going to be honest with you. When I grew up, I didn't do certain things because I feared my daddy. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like you just, I was afraid of facing him later. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't do stupid stuff. But you know, do you understand what I'm saying? You were afraid. You had a fear. Well, it's a terrible thing. No, no, there's something that's called as having a healthy fear. Aren't we living in a society where people no longer have a fear of anything? No fear of authority? No fear of anything. Their time in Mount Horeb was to produce a fear of the Lord in their hearts. Because Israel never saw the form of God, they were forbidden from representing him in any form. So they couldn't make any any form of, you know, they couldn't, oh, this is what God looks like. No, no, they didn't see God. God purposely hid himself from them. And they were forbidden from making any kind of idol to, for him at all. And notice now, the few times in the scripture where someone does, like, remember when they did the golden calf? This is the God who brought you out of Egypt. There was a great judgment for that. You'll see that throughout the Old Testament. Israel was not to be enticed by worshiping the astral gods. Anybody know what the astral gods are? Uh, yeah, but it's also more than that, the stars. The astral gods are the stars. We worship them today. We still worship the astral gods. How? Horoscope. How many of you read your horoscope? Tell me. I don't want to know. Okay. But, uh, I mean, please don't do that because that's so ridiculous anyhow. But, but that's the astral gods. Aquarius. You know what I'm saying? Aries. You know what I'm saying? And all of that. Pisces. The stars. That's what he, they're forbidden from worshiping the astral gods. Moses reminds the people that he would not be there to prohibit them from idolatry. Moses says, look, you folks are getting ready to enter into the land, and I'm not going to be there to keep you from getting involved with this stuff. 
You're on your own. Isn't that what we do as parents when we release our kids into the world when they get older? I'm not going to be with you anymore, walking with you, trying to keep you from this. Hopefully you're smart enough now to handle this on your own. This is what Moses is doing here. I'm not going to be here to keep you from this. So the Lord would enforce his commands as he purifies them and destroys the worthless. And that's what you see throughout the history of Israel. God is continually purifying them because of their sin of idolatry, and he destroys the worthless. Destroys the worthless. Let's go on. A few more points here. After being in the land a long time, Israel would be seduced into idolatry and provoke God. Isn't that interesting? That's exactly what the New Old Testament later on is going to show you. That the longer they're in the land, they're going to forget and guess what? They're going to be seduced into what? Worshipping false idols, and they're going to provoke God's wrath. He is telling them that before they even enter into the land. He's warning them, you're going to do this. You're going to forget me. You're going to worship these idols, and you're going to make me mad. He's telling them this. Wow. It just blows my mind. God is telling them this is what's going to happen. They would then be judged by being dispersed among the nations and being given over to the idols. And folks, are they dispersed among the nations? It's amazing to me. Just last year, I read that there were Jews in China. I did not even believe. Jews in China? Are you kidding me? Yes, there were Jews in China. There was like a group of 20 of them left a city in China and migrated back to Israel. But they still became proselytes because their their blood was so mixed with the Chinese, they believed that they were Jews, they just wanted to be sure, so they had to go through the proselyting service as well. That's not amazing. Why are they in China? All the way back to this original point here. You worship other idols, I'm going to disperse you among the nations, and I'm going to give you over to them. Folks, I'm going to be honest with you, most Jews today don't worship God or Yahweh. They worship anything else but one thing, Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? They'll believe anything else but one thing, Jesus. Okay, Jesus. Let's go on. But when Israel returns to the Lord, he will not forget his covenant with them. He says, but if you return to me, I'm not going to forget my covenant. I'm not going to forget my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll still be faithful. Now listen, isn't that interesting? God is the one who still is faithful. It's not hinged on them, is it? God is the one who's still faithful. Isn't that wonderful about our salvation? He'll remember if you return to him. So Israel was unique among the nations because of the special relationship that they had with him. Look, folks, there's only one special nation in the world. Who is it? Yeah, Israel. There is no other special nation. There is no other chosen nation. There's only one chosen nation. Israel. Okay? Israel. The signs of God were shown to them so that they would know him by experience. I thought this is a wonderful point here. 
God is not so abstract in you and in our lives, folks. He still works in your lives so that you what? You can see that you have a living relationship with him. How do you mean he works in our lives? He guides you by his Holy Spirit. He answers prayers. He does the most amazing things just so you can see that he's in, in charge. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, we were we flew over, you know, we left Sunday, last, the, you know, two Sundays ago. We flew over and, and you lose a whole day. So we flew out at 1 o'clock in the morning on Monday, arrived at 5 o'clock in the morning after a 15-hour flight on Tuesday. We got to Bangkok, and I, I'm just doing what I normally do. And Hudson says, there's a sign with our name on it. I'm like, What? we got to head over here. So I went back. Sure enough, it was a sign. It was the airline people. And they said, we're sorry that we did not transfer your bags all the way to the city you want to go to in Thailand. I didn't tell them that I purposely didn't want them to do that, okay, because we wanted to go through customs, immigration in Bangkok, rather than going in our final destination. And they said, we're going to fast track you through immigration. Then you can get your bags, check them in, and you'll be on your way. Well, folks, that saved us 30 minutes. Because Hudson will tell you that line going through immigration was long. We just walked through, the guy had a pass, we gave our things to the immigration guys, got our bags, and we were on our way. Was that a coincidence? No, that's a God thing. And I knew it. As soon as, as I was waiting for our bags, I was exchanging money. I was saying to my heart, Lord, you are so awesome. You knew that our, we were in a time crunch here, and you knew I had to be in Chiang Rai. You worked this out. That's God. Why does he do those things? So that you know that you have a relationship with him, not just by knowledge, but by what? Experience. This is what Moses is saying to them. God, the signs of God were shown to them so that they would know him by experience. Israel was to acknowledge the Lord and keep his commandments and decrees. Now, the last few verses of chapter 4 are basically the designation of the cities of refuge. Moses designated three cities east of the Jordan as cities of refuge. Remember, if you accidentally killed somebody, you were to what? Flee to those cities. Okay? Okay. All right, so that's the first message. 